Ryan Fox. I'm the compliance evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to one month to operationalizing your compliance program. This month, I'm proud to announce a sponsor who will be with me all, all month. It is Oversight Systems. Recent developments at the Department of Justice and Securities and Exchange Commission have emphasized the operationalization of your corporate compliance program as the best defense to an FCPA enforcement action. It has also increased awareness that corporations need to evaluate and drive their compliance programs into the very fabric of their organizations. The best practices of an oper operationalized compliance program is set out in the release, recently released Department of Justice Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs. Oversight's automatic transaction monitoring solution, Insights on Demand for FCPA, operationalizes your compliance program. For more information, go to oversightsystems.com. Last month, the Department of Justice very quietly released a document entitled Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs on the Fraud Section website. The document is an 11-part list of questions which encapsulates, encapsulates the DOJ's most current thinking on what constitutes a best practices compli compliance program. Within the list are some 46 different questions that a chief compliance officer or compliance practitioner can use to benchmark a compliance program. In short, it is an incredibly valuable and most significantly useful resource for every compliance practitioner. The document has one clear theme that I will be exploring this month, that you must operationalize your compliance program. I hope you will join me for the month of March to learn how to operationalize your compliance program. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to day three of one month to operationalizing your compliance program. Yesterday, I began a two-part series on the Department of Justice's evaluation of corporate compliance programs, which was posted on the Fraud Section website in February. The document is an 11-part list of questions which encapsulates the DOJ's most current thinking on what constitutes a best practices compliance program. Within the list are some 46 questions that a chief compliance officer or compliance practitioner can use to benchmark a compliance program. In short, it is an incredibly valuable and most significantly useful resource for every compliance professional. Picking up from yesterday, the next area of inquiry is in training and communications. Here the inquiries are around whether you have adequately risk-based your training and then delivered effective training tailored for high-risk employees. This picks up the language from the most recent General Cable Foreign Corrupt Practices Act enforcement action and demonstrates the continuous loop of innovation and compliance, which is driving the evolution of best practices going forward. It's the General Cable enforcement action which provided that tailored training as a part of their remediation efforts, and we now found that find that being built into this DOJ evaluation. The DOJ also reiterates you need to determine the effectiveness of your compliance training. The evaluation specifically suggests a company communicate about employee misconduct throughout its organization. Added to this inquiry is, into the, is an inquiry into the effectiveness and availability of compliance guidance. Finally, and definitely a key question is whether employees are able and willing to seek compliance advice. Under confidential reporting and investigations, the tests are around determining the effectiveness of your compliance reporting mechanisms through your triage protocol, the seriousness of how a company might take a re reported issue, and whether, comp whether compliance is kept in the loop around investigations. You also need to consider your investigative protocol and whether your investigations have been properly scoped, 
were truly independent, objective, and appropriately conducted and properly documented. Following these protocol inquiries are those regarding your company's response to investigations. The evaluation asks, has the company's investigation been used to identify root causes, system vulnerabilities, and accounting lapses, including among supervisory manager and senior executives? What has been the process for responding to investigative findings? How high up in the company do, you, do, do your investigative findings go? While it seems clear, it certainly bears stating now and again that such actions must be documented going forward to show any regulator who comes knocking. The next section is an inquiry into carrots and sticks, more formally known as incentives and disciplinary measures. Once again, demonstrating the need to put compliance into the fabric of your organization through operationalization, there is an inquiry into the role of human resources in any disciplinary process. There is also a series of questions into the response to the code of conduct or other violations, including what disciplinary, disciplinary actions did the company take in response to the misconduct and when did they occur? Were managers held accountable for misconduct that occurred under their supervision? Did the company's response consider disciplinary actions for supervisors' failure in oversight? Of course, the disciplinary action should be evaluated. Finally, and in an inquiry which I can only say certainly warms my heart, it, the evaluation asks, has the disciplinary actions and incentives been fairly and consistently applied across and throughout the organization? But it is not simply sticks and carrots that a company employs, but the incentives you have in place to do business ethically and in compliance. You need to consider how you have incentivized compliance and what the rewards have been. Also recognizing that compensation systems can misplace incentives, the evaluation asks, has the company considered the potential negative compliance implications of its incentives and rewards? Imagine if Wells Fargo had thought to ask itself that question. There are questions around continuous improvement, periodic testing, and review. First are the inquiries into your internal audit functions, including the audit protocol, audit findings, who received them, and how they were used for remediation going forward, particularly in high-risk business units or geographic areas. A company needs to consider its internal controls environment going forward, including a testing of relevant controls, collection, and analysis of data compilation, and interviews of employees and third parties. How are the results reported, and what are the actions taken or, and tracked? What control testing has the company generally undertaking? Lastly, how often have you updated your compliance program, including your policies, procedures, and codes of, code of conduct? The next area is around third parties. As this long as, has long been recognized as one of high-risk area within the FCPA, the evaluation reemphasizes the need to identify those with whom you are doing business, perform an appropriate level of due diligence, then investigate and clear any red flags which may have arisen. Beyond these straightforward and well-known requirements, the evaluation also focuses on the appropriate internal compliance controls for third parties on both the sales side and the supply chain side. Finally, and most importantly, the evaluation recognizes that management of your Third-party relationships is where the rubber hits the road in a section literally entitled Management of Relationships. The evaluation raises these questions. How has the company considered and analyzed the third-party incentive model against compliance risk? How has the company monitored third parties in question? How has the company trained the relationship managers about the compliance risks 
and how to manage them. How is the company incentivized compliance and ethical behavior by third parties? In the area of mergers and acquisitions, the evaluation points to the need to perform both pre-acquisition due diligence and post-acquisition integration. However, it brings these together, these concepts, that you should use your pre-acquisition phase to inform your post-acquisition integration in asking the following question. What has the company's process, what has been the company's process for tracking and remedying conduct or misconduct risks identified during the due diligence process? What has been the company's process for implementing compliance policies and procedures at the new entity? So what are the three key takeaways for today? Number one, the DOJ evaluation provides clear guidance on the expectation of government regulators regarding what your program should consist of, how it should be effective, and where you need to go down the road. It is also a valuable teaching tool as you can lay out for your board and senior management the clear requirements for any best practices compliance program. Number two, the document also reemphasizes that you should listen when the DOJ communicates expectations around compliance. Beginning with the initial public remarks of Wei Chin and comments by former Assistant Attorney General Leslie Caldwell in November 2015 through the announcement of the FCPA pilot program in April 2016 and the subsequent public remarks by Caldwell, Sally Yates, and Daniel Kahn, the DOJ has consistently articulated the need for the operationalization of a corporate compliance program. Indeed, one can draw a straight line from Caldwell's November 2015 remarks at the SIFMA Compliance and Legal Society New York Regional Seminar, where she presented the requirements to operationalize compliance in discussing compliance program metrics. And number three, any company which puts a, simply puts a paper program in place, whether it's certified or not, and then sits back on its collective hands, is in for a very rude awakening when it comes before the DOJ in an investigation or enforcement action. For it is the operationalization of your compliance program that the DOJ will give credit to having a functioning compliance program, not having a paper program. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to Day 3, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for Day 4 of one month to operationalizing your compliance program. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to thank you very much for listening to today's episode of How to Operationalize Your Compliance Program. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. If you've listened to this podcast via iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate us. It would help on our rankings and help get the word out about how to learn about operationalizing your compliance program in one month. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening and hope you'll join me tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.